Blog Talk Radio. Gonna tell you a little bedtime tale, legend it will become. Burgers flying out the door, sail on. Two for one, no concern for the future. Living for today. Fast food bite on your way, lay it all to waste. The masses are afflicted now. Moo, mad cow. Mad cow. Mad cow, mad cow, line dance song. Hey, Song Guy Nation, welcome to the show here on another Friday afternoon, final one of April for 2021. If you're looking for some pro wrestling today, Tonight, WCWO in Indianapolis, Indiana at the Outlaw Arena. They are bringing in recent X-Division champion Ace Austin. Go Wrestle is in Daytona, Florida. And Supreme Wrestling in Madison, Indiana tonight. Tomorrow night, the aforementioned Ace Austin will be at Warrior Pro Wrestling in Jeffersonville, Indiana. BMFX in Lafayette, Indiana. OCCW in Orange County, California. Supreme Wrestling back with legendary Larry D tomorrow night in Madison, Indiana. APW in Cincinnati, Ohio. MCIW in Indianapolis, Indiana. And ZPW happening in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. If you go to Generation Next Pro Wrestling's Patreon, you can watch a show tomorrow night. It's exclusive to Patreon. But without any further ado, I want to welcome our guest on to the show today. He is from the Kentucky area. Nate Gnarly, welcome to Sign Guys Wrestling Show and Turnbuckle Turmoil. We're happy to have you on. Thanks so much. Oh, my God, son. We're hanging in Vegas. The party never stops. What's up, my brother? Doing fairly well today. Now, since it is your first time with us, we are going to kick things off with our traditional first-timer question. What led to you getting into the business of professional wrestling? Uh, Good question. Combination of things. Uh, Definitely the entertainment side of it. I played music for a long time. But I also, my whole life, watched pro wrestling. I just never considered it as something I could actually do. Until I investigated and realized you could train, you could, you could become a wrestler. It's, it's a very obtainable thing, and our, our region is a hotbed for it. Uh, as a whole, wrestling's been quite a, uh, quite a roller coaster, probably a ride of the wave. Uh, I just wanted to see if I could become a wrestler. And then it became a decent one, and it's been nothing but awesome and fun. And uh, I'm very, very thankful for the ride I've had so far. Now, you were in the music industry, which, as we know from this show, talking to a lot of people in it, has sort of a similar uh, outlook on things. There's a similar clientele. uh, It has ran in a similar fashion. When you got into professional wrestling, did you start noticing more and more how similar of a business music is to wrestling? Oh, well, when I got signed into training and I talked to the people that took me in, which was Larry and at the time, Tom Tom Wrestling, um, they they were excited that I'd already been doing independent entertainment for so long because I, in a sense, I was already broke into the business on what it takes, the sacrifices, the long nights, the traveling, uh, the hard work, you know what I mean? Sometimes for a little reward, sometimes for a big reward. But... uh, Really, the only difference, brass tacks, that pro wrestling and music has been for me, I mean, I mean, both of us created, was the physicality, was having to get into shape, having to diet, having to do cardio a lot and get your legs and your lungs up to par because that has a lot to do with wrestling. Absolutely, it does. So just, just the gym side of it, you know, the, the, the health-wise, it's a much different uh, lifestyle. In a sense. Music's a little carefree. Uh, wrestling, you wake up every day, you eat healthy, you go to the gym, you train, you stretch. You're, it's constant. Everything you're doing every day is, is gravitating towards that next match or how you can get an edge or be better that next time. Is that understand? 
I can definitely see that, yeah. Now, in pro wrestling, as I'm sure you're aware, especially in the last few years, there are a lot of different styles to pro wrestling. One of the styles that is gaining a lot of traction with American audiences is the Lucha Libre style. We see a lot of Lucha promotions popping up all over the country as that style gets more popular with American fans. For your own personal career, have you delved much into the world of Lucha Libre? Uh, as a smaller guy, I've, I've learned some things from it. However, I'm not uh, the flippy fly type, even though I'm a little smaller. Uh, so I wrestle a lot of guys that, that are influenced by the Lucha, influenced by the style. I like it. I consider it a more fast-paced style and a more of um, there's just a lot going on, which I'm okay with. Uh, however, I don't know if it's, like, influenced my career a lot. Like, I, I, I mean, like, I take a few moves here and there. However, I don't I do not do a lot of Ranas. I don't do a lot of flips. I don't do a lot of stuff. But I, I can definitely work with guys that have. I think as far as where it's at today, it's just – trending now because it is that faster, that spottier style of wrestling, and it's quick because every day with the world evolving, our attention spans are getting smaller <laughs> as human beings. Uh, so definitely, you know, I like a good fast-paced match. I like a good, a good, uh, you know, turntables, you never know, gonna know, and then something happens at the end, you're like, damn, you know, I, I do dig that. In Kentucky, uh, they have a pretty strict commission as far as things that you can and cannot do in professional Correct. wrestling. Um, if you go right over the river into Indiana, there is no commission and no uh, real regulations as far as pro wrestling goes. And once you cross into Indiana, as a lot of companies have, you are free to do the deathmatch style wrestling that is each group of fans. There's a lot of the deathmatch tournaments out there, a lot of uh, deathmatch yeah. wrestlers that reside in and around Indiana. Have you gone into that aspect of wrestling very often? Okay. Uh, I have not. I have, I've also I've, I've dabbled with it, like, growing up, uh, especially through the 90s early 2000s, like I'm an old school ECW mark, you know, with the violence. I've always been attracted to the blood and the guts. Uh, as I've seasoned as a professional wrestler, you know, I mean, blood and guts are great, and I love it, and I'm all about shock value. Like, that's, that's the thing for me. However, when it comes to, like, your own body and, uh, you know, like your future in the business, I just feel like it has to be worth it, and it has to make sense. It has to tell a good story, and it has to be there at the right time, or it's just overkill for the sake of overkill. However, personally, I love deathmatch wrestling. I love this stuff. I mean, these guys are really sacrificing a lot for people's entertainment, and knowing the side of the business as I do, I I mean, I I expect that even more. Um, I have, you know, like, I've, I've often dabbled, like, I have this little goblin, you know, that's like, hey, maybe I'd like to try it. But then again, I'm just always in self-preservation mode and or, well, does it make sense or is it just blood and guts for the sake of blood and guts? And it's business in the end, you know what I mean? I definitely understand that for sure. But as oh. a fan, I love that shit. Now, of course... Right over the river, uh, when you leave Louisville going into Indiana, is the famous The Arena, where a lot of promotions ran. Um, There's been a lot of hardcore wrestling there, but you've also seen a lot of just straight uh, technical wrestling, traditional pro wrestling. Have you you worked very often at The Arena? I, I have been there several times for uh, several promotions, off and on throughout the throughout the stand up time in my career. Yes, I'm I'm very familiar with the arena. Um, I have been from anything to small shows there that may not exist anymore to 
wrestling and competing in IWA shows to to everything in between. Now, one of the things that pro wrestling seems to be uh, sort of hot with right now as far as, like, your major companies, and I think it comes out into the independence is tag team wrestling. A lot of great tag teams are out there right now. Uh, I know a lot of wrestlers have personal preferences when it comes to singles versus tag teams. Do you have a preference as far as that goes? As far as a tag team? As far as wrestling tag team versus a singles. Okay, okay, yeah, I, yeah, I, okay, I understand the question now. Uh, yeah, I can sense the hype in tag team wrestling because you can do a lot more because you got a lot more bodies involved and a lot more scenarios, and you can play, you can play on what's going on. You know what I'm saying? So if, if done right, if done right, tag team action should have a lot. Or tag team wrestling should have a lot more action and uh, exciting moments because you have four people. Uh, chomping at the bit as opposed to just two squaring off on what happens, what happens. You know what I'm saying? It gives you an X factor. I think a tag team, really any multiple man, a tag team good, scrambles are good. They just add depth and that X factor of anything that can happen. I think that ups the excitement. And if the fans are excited, then you're doing your job. One of the more talked about aspects of wrestling in the last, decade or so is intergender wrestling. I know most people in the business have their own personal opinions on if there should be intergender wrestling or not. Uh, The major companies, it depends on which company it is. They present intergender matches. I've seen entire shows made up of intergender matches. I've seen intergender tag team champions. I know it's kind of a controversial subject with a lot of people, but where do you stand when it comes to intergender wrestling? Uh, definitely not controversial. I, I have absolutely no problem with intergender wrestling, as long as it makes sense, as long as it's feasible and done right. And, you know, it's, it's as long as it's done right. I have no – I've wrestled girls, and I've been in mixed tags with girls, and I have no issues – doing that or no issues at all with intergender wrestling. I think it's a good, exciting thing. I think it's a new view, you know, and it's new to the business, so you're going to have some mixed emotions. But I think just like anything in wrestling, if it's done right and it makes sense, then it's golden. You know what I'm saying? As long as it's got the fans' attention and there's some hype around it, that's all makes sense. Kind of spilling from that topic, uh, as long as there's been a professional wrestling business, there have been uh, people that date within the business. You see a lot of uh, people that get married having met on wrestling shows. A lot of times couples will uh, sort of enter the business together and kind of they were a couple, but they uh, entered the business at the same time. Dating can sometimes complicate things within the wrestling business. If there's a split, it doesn't matter what level of the business you're looking at, it happens all over. What's your own feelings when it comes to dating within the wrestling industry? Uh, wow, that's 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 a new question for me. Actually, I will definitely have to say. Uh, what anybody else wants to do, I have no problem with because that's their own their own life and their own thing. I will say personally, I can speak on my behalf, that uh, I've never dated in the business or have I, like, seen a lot of opportunity in. But, however, with that coinciding with a lot of personal things that I have in life, I try not to mix those things with the business. So what I'm saying, wrestling is a very sacred thing to me. So I try not to give any opportunity for personal emotions or sidetracks or whatever. Now, that don't mean it could ever happen or whatever. But what I'm saying is, is like, when it comes down to it, I'm very – I would be hesitant, I think, to to bring that 
that personal side of my life into the business because the business is very sacred to me and I, I don't I don't want to tarnish it in any way. You know, I try to protect me as a wrestler and the people I work with and the companies I work with and it's easy to it's easy to mess that up nowadays and it's easy to get caught up in personal things. So I keep wrestling purely wrestling. Pretty good policy I would think. Sure. Now, in 2021, for the last uh, year and change, of course, the wrestling business has changed a lot because of the world changing and right, the wrestling, of course, with no exception to that. For a while, uh, there were no live events happening anywhere for a while, and uh some parts of the country, that's still the case. Uh, for example, Oregon has not had a live event since March of 2020. It wow. definitely is going to affect, as far as a wrestler goes, the training, the conditioning, that sort of thing. When there was a break uh, for your own personal career, what were you doing in order to be ring ready for when you got the call that live events were going to resume? Well, I had a lot of things going on, Mike, even though wrestling got slow. However, there were still a few states up until recently, like southern states, that were that were running. And I'm uh, fortunate enough to coach some in West Virginia through for up until, I think, December of last year. And, they, and the, really the heart of the pandemic was – was at least still able to train even though the shows got cut off. So I still try to maintain some sense to a degree. Like I still try to stay motivated and somewhat on my fitness. And But I was still being involved in, in molding new young people and just trying to take advantage of every chance I could. Uh, I was going to other southern states and doing shows. They, they, they were allowed to do shows until they couldn't for a short period of time that are now back open. And uh, – I was really just chomping at the bit for anything I could get, but I was fortunate enough to have uh, Larry D in my life, you know, where he had was is just in demand everywhere. That I, it was easy to get in the car, it was easy to go somewhere, it was easy to to get a little match, you know what I'm saying? So like, I owe it all to him for the little bit that I did do in the pandemic, and I just try to enjoy uh, creating and envisioning and honing my skills with the the students that they had down there in West Virginia and coaching them and, and just trying to, to to bring the product better and leave wrestling better as you left it, you know, make it better than when you became. Uh, speaking of Larry D, uh, we mentioned at the top of the show, he'll be in Madison, Indiana tomorrow night facing Eric Draven at Supreme Wrestling. But Larry D, wow. in addition to – uh, being on television every week with Impact Wrestling. Uh, he has gone all over the country, like you were saying. He's been up in our neck yeah. of the woods. He's wrestled in Washington and Idaho multiple times in the last several months. He goes right. all over the place and not only wrestles, but he runs seminars pretty much everywhere he goes. Yes. Obviously, uh, you're very familiar with Larry D having uh, wrestled with him and trained under him, but what do you think if there's a promoter or a wrestler out there right now that's thinking of uh, going to that seminar, what would you tell them if they have that chance to go to a Larry D seminar? I think you would be stupid not to. Uh, Larry D is the ultimate in giving back. He just makes wrestling better every day in some sense of the form. He has such a big heart and truly cares about the business and the people in it because he spent the last 20-plus years in it. Um, and I just I, – I still – I was originally trained by him, and I'm just saying that there's not a time that I'm in a seminar or even if I'm helping him that I don't take something from there. I always value his opinion, like yeah, just little things. He really gets you ready for that next level. He brings out the best in you and then takes you to the next level. Whether it's psychology, whether it's ring positioning, whether it's technique, 
he critiques everything. He really is an underrated, brilliant mind in the business. Agreed. He told that he was being offered a contract from Scott Diamore after one of his impact matches, and Paige ran to the ring, and they kind of celebrated that uh, contract signing. What was going through your mind when you saw that? I am proud of one of my very close best friends. I am thankful because there is nobody in the world that deserves it more than him. That's exactly what I was thinking. I was thinking I'm I'm happy for Larry because I watched him work for it. Absolutely. My allergies got to me a little bit right when that was happening. Yeah. Definitely had the the watery eyes going. Oh, you're silly, man. No, I really here's the thing, Larry trained me but I'm also very close to Larry and I, I and we're good friends and we talk on a regular and he's just not a wrestler that's on T V. He's a guy I talk to on a regular basis on real life shit. And uh so, yeah, it was thankful. Like, I was excited, and there's all the hype, and they had the national signing. But there was a guy that's, that's wrestled all over the place and really earned the spotlight that he's getting right now. And because of it, he's traveling around, and he's making so, many, so, so much people, so many people in the business better. And he's doing it with nothing but love and a good intent, and that's rare, you know? Absolutely. Are we – Mentioned the arena in Jeffersonville a little bit ago, but I know you've wrestled in a lot of different places. And on the independent circuit, the venues can vary a whole lot because promoters can put a ring in just about anywhere. What would you say for you personally has been the best venue where you've ever wrestled? Best venue. Now, like favorite or like what I would consider awesome, or we talk about people, we talk about size. What? Well, how? How are you asking this? Leaving it to your interpretation, just whatever you feel would make the okay. best well, venue for pro wrestling. There have to be there have to be two, and both of them are probably in West Virginia. Uh, one time, right before the pandemic, I wrestled in Wayne, and it was a high school vibe, but they sold out the gym, and there was. 1,200 plus people there, and I wrestled uh, uh, Chance Profit from NWA old days. Or um, and he still he still does things down in West Virginia. He's got a school and stuff. However, um, there was such a big vibe. Like it was such a big vibe. Like all we did was get in the ring, and the crowd was up with a big buzz, and the bleachers were rumbling. It had that big feel, and that feel awesome. But then as far as like. When you're talking music and lights, recently in West Virginia at BTW, we did a show. Uh, I think it was like a two-story church, but they uh, they were filming some kind of little movie, uh, and uh, they had big production, like big, uh, big like scaffolding and stage lights above the rings and big stuff so they could get their glamour out of it. But even though there wasn't as many people, they were stacked two stories uh, deep, and you could reach up to the second balcony. So I would say with that venue being packed the way it was and then with the lights and the feel, that was pretty awesome too, you know. Actually, I made a movie trailer. I made the movie trailer that night when they were filming things. They used a piece of my clip in the movie trailer. Oh, that's pretty exciting. That's pretty awesome, I guess. You're right. Uh, Do you personally, uh, speaking of movies, have a favorite pro wrestling Based movie. Uh, I mean, not really. I own the wrestler. I just feel I feel like it's pretty, pretty accurate of of how the business can, can chew you up sometimes. You know what I mean? Uh, I don't know. I, I mean, not really. I'm presuming Mickey Rourke's version of the wrestler, and not the '70s version. Right, correct, yeah. I actually didn't even know there was one from the 70s. I'm going to have to fucking Google that and investigate it now. You might have turned I, me on to something. I, 
I'm a, I'm a I would definitely suggest you look into it. Vern Gagne and Ed Asner start in it. Really? And making, really? uh, making a quick cameo was a 300-pound dark-haired Ric Flair as a rookie. Dusty wow. Rhodes, Dick Murdoch, Superstar Graham all featured pretty prominently oh, in the film. All right, all right. I'm, I'm going to peep it out now. All right. Well, at this point, my co-host QT Vokes is standing by, and I know QT has questions, so I'm going to pass things over to him for a bit. All right. What's up, Dal? Well, thank you, Sun Guy. Hello, Nate. How you doing? Hi, bud. Hanging and banging, man. Oh, I I hear that. Okay. Well, well, Mister Nate, I saw the YouTube video entitled. Big Time Wrestling presents Friday Flashback, Nasty Nate Gnarly versus Jason the Gift Kincaid. And in the opening moment of this video, one can't help but notice that Fred Cornell, the commissioner, is wearing a Cincinnati Reds shirt. My question is, are you yourself a big fan of the Cincinnati Reds? That is that's actually really fucking awesome that you asked that because I am a diehard fan of the Cincinnati Reds, but I say that being probably four or five years out of the loop now growing up and all the way up until probably about 2013, I was a diehard Reds fan. I still have Reds memorabilia. I caught a foul ball. I got bobbleheads. I went to a bunch of Reds games, and I'm a fact a huge Cincinnati Reds nerd. Can you tell us if that uh, ball that you caught is autographed? It is not. Oh, okay. All right. Can you tell our Turnbuckle Turmoil fans where you were sitting in the stands when you caught said foul ball? Uh, Yeah, I was probably about 12 to 15 rows back, uh, middle home, first baseline, Just, just before it started to get like, Second story hanging above. So a few rows before the actual second row uh, shit come over you. Wow. Okay. Okay. All right. For the record, can you tell our Turnbuckle Turmoil fans, in your opinion, who the top five Cincinnati Reds of all time are? Man. Ah, without even putting too much thought into it. Uh, Probably Pete Rose, Johnny Bench. Uh, I don't know, man. That's a hard question. Five's a lot. Uh, okay. I'm always No, I would say Barry Larkin. Deion Sanders had speed and bases because I grew up in the 90s watching them. Then I would say the next generation, I was really into, like, Brandon Phillips, Joey Votto. But uh, Jay Bruce, throw Jay Bruce in that mix because he had a big run for about four years, five in Cincinnati. I don't know. I'm not sure. But he was a big home run hitter. Okay, all right. How about Ken Griffey Jr.? I remember him, but he had such a short stint, and he struggled. Like, are we really considering, like, the best Reds? Because he is awesome, in fact, but he didn't do much while he was in Cincinnati. That's true. I believe it was when he was with Cincinnati that he tore his hamstring from the bone. He had to have major and pretty major surgery uh, to attach that hamstring back. My question yeah. is, have you ever suffered a hamstring injury like Ken Griffey Jr.? I, uh, I have not. I have a series of, a series of like, minor wear. I have, you know, like a concussion. I have little chips in my elbow. And I feel like the hips and the knees and stuff. But to say that I've had, like, a major – I broke my nose. I mean, I guess, but I've done that at a concert, so I don't really consider that major. That would probably be the worst thing that I've ever done in the business, just other than minor things and all the minor things adding up, I feel like that way. Okay. Okay, very good. Now, you said uh, that you had some chips uh, near your elbow. Can you imagine being a major leaguer and throwing these 95-mile-per-hour curveballs change up and what pressure that puts on the elbow? Can you can you imagine? I I would honestly try to. I think I want to give them credit where credit is due. I mean, I think we all we all sacrifice 
our bodies somehow or another in professional sports when I give it what it is. Uh, but no, I mean, I wouldn't want to try to do it. I mean, fuck major leaguers play uh, a whole bunch of games. I'm not sure the number. I'm no expert, you know. Uh, however, they they do that for like a a bunch of days in a row. So no, I couldn't imagine. Yes, it's a it's a hundred and sixty game season in baseball. Yeah, I was going to say I thought it was like one seventy. Yeah, that was close. Yes. Okay. All right. Well, uh, Nate, if we gave you a, a baseball and Jason the gift Kincaid a baseball, and we. Uh, had you at instance at a Cincinnati Reds game, who would throw the better opening pitch, opening game pitch? Oh my would it God. Be well, you know, sir, I'm confident in my skills. So, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hold it down every step of the way. Oh, okay. All right. Because, uh, Nate, I have seen some presidents throw out an opening day pitch and – uh, I got to say, Obama was very weak. He didn't even come close to the plate. Uh, yes. I mean, you might be right. You might be right. I, okay. I'd probably be high, man. I, I don't know. I know. I know the major league mountains are a lot longer away. I think they're ninety feet. Uh, so that's that's some distance, man. You know what I mean? Like that's probably a little further than where you shoot them up little Okay. All right. Well, Mr. Nate, in that video, Big Time Wrestling Presents Friday Flashback, in the first few seconds of the video, I have the feeling that when they see Jason the Gift McCade standing between Fred Cornell and Chris Angel, they can see the difference between not only heavyweight and cruiserweight, but heavyweight and super middleweight. In boxing, the super middleweight class is 164 to 170 pounds, which I think Jason is. My question is, was there an official weigh-in for the match because the belt was on the line? Was there a weigh-in? Uh, that was like two years ago. uh, I'll definitely say I don't think there was. Oh, okay. I think it was done before. Yeah, and you're comparing boxing to wrestling, and it's, it's, okay. it's viewed and, and it regulated very differently. Okay. Well, I I know that there. Uh, well, there isn't really any set weight uh, uh, divisions in wrestling. You know, although Correct. they did pull, like the natural disasters tugboat and typhoon and probably Yokozuna. <laughs> Yes. Something Hello? Like super. Great. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I mean, like, you know, it's it, there's cruisers, light heavies, heavies. Um, you know, I think uh, sometimes they give it different names, whether it be elite titles or X Division titles or intercontinental titles. Well, intercontinental was different because that was a worker title. But generally, okay. I, I, mean, I, think, I think wrestling is – Unofficially categorized by weight. Does that make sense? I'd like to see weight weight divisions established in wrestling. Myself, yes, that's what I would like. Right. Like a like a lightweight. Me, me too. Me too. Because I'd be wrestling everybody bigger than me all the motherfucking time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Wow. Oh, boy, that's a uh, okay. All right. Well, Nate. At the four-minute and nine-second mark of the video, you make your appearance. And what I first noticed was the ink work on your right arm. I think it was, an extensive, it was as extensive as the top-of-the-head tattoo work of Jason Kincaid. Can you tell our Turnbuckle Turmoil fans what your right arm ink work is about? It's a series of fucked up things, I guess. Uh, I don't know. I don't. I mean, like to say what it is about now, because I gathered it so young. Uh, it represents a lot of stuff. Like I have the severed head of all my enemies. I have my body parts sewn on to represent how many times I've been ripped apart and I had to reconstruct myself. I have things like uh, the skin cheese that's holding me together. I have things like. Uh, 
I don't know, man. Like, just, they all mean different things. Uh, but it's a very dark sleeve. It's a very angry, shitty type, uh, like, gory. You know what I'm saying? So, like, I like to think of it as a young, darker time in my life. And as I grow older, my tattoos get more positive, perhaps. Because, you know, you can kind of mellow out. Oh, okay. I can I can get oh. into detail. I can tell you more about some of the stuff, like the eye that I always have my eye on you, the alien, because a little Wayne used to say, we're not the same. I'm a Martian. I have uh, Teletubbies. Uh, that reminds me of when my kid brother grew up. He loved Teletubbies. I have, like, several different things. I have... It's crazy. You get caught up in a collection. I've got Frankenstein bolts. I've got Plankton because he's the real heel of life, right? That motherfucker was, was a heel that whole series of Spongebob. Oh, okay. All right. Well, Nate, as you may know, the character Meg on Family Guy once was sent to prison, and in her prison stint, she got ink work done on her arms. When I saw you, I immediately thought, of Meg Griffin on the Family Guy, and I say this with the highest respect. So, you, so you're saying I look like a guy that went to prison? Well, I think uh, that you bear a slight resemblance to Meg on Family Guy. That's what I'm saying. Oh, no, damn well I look better than Meg. Oh, okay. Oh, well, granted. Meg came out of prison with a different attitude, and she really toughened up in prison. So I think uh, that you exemplify uh, some of Meg's prison-like personality. Well, you know, if you're calling me tough, then you got that right. That's for sure. Oh, okay. (laughs) All right. right. Well, Nate, at the six-minute to six-minute and three-second mark of the video – you told Jason the gift that he would be dealing with a hungry Nate Gnarly and that both of you would be taking it to the outer limits. My question is, have you gone on the TV program Nick at Night and seen the 1960s sci-fi program The Outer Limits? I have not. Oh, okay. Well, it's very good, The Outer Limits. You might want to uh, go on YouTube after this interview and look up some of The Outer Limits. Okay. I'll peep it out. I got to peep out some uh, the old school wrestler from the 70s, too. Y'all, y'all dropping all kinds of bombs on me. Oh, okay. Bomb dropping, yes. Okay. Uh-huh. Mr. Nate, Jason Kincaid came out to the song down with the sickness for his entrance music, and I believe the group Drowning Pool did this. My question is, do you yourself use wading pools that are fairly deep with water for aerobic workouts? I do not, and to correct you, that song is by Disturbed. And yes, I'm a little fucking disturbed. Ah, Disturbed, okay, very good, okay. Well, Mr. Nate, in the match uh, with Jason Kincaid, can you recall what your entrance music was? Uh, I could not identify it. Was it Penguin Attack by Guar? No, it was not. It is uh, (laughs) The Saw is the Law by Whitechapel. Okay. All right. All right. Well, Mr. Nate, when Jason Kincaid was giving his interview at the start of the video, he said he had been to Japan and Mexico. Have you yourself been to Japan? I have not. That would be a pretty awesome endeavor. Oh, okay. I, I could, personally, I could see you going to Japan uh, one of these days. That'd be good. Well, thank you. I take that as a compliment. Oh, okay. All right. Well, Mr. Nate, oh yes, yes, I, I think you, I, I think you would look good in a komodo. That's what I'm getting at. Hey, shit, komodo. you're silly. You're silly. <laughs> well, Mr. Nate, you told Sign Guy you had a musical background. What instrument do you play? Uh, I, uh, I would say I'm best at drums. 
Uh, however, I do dabble in guitar. I can make some noise on a lot of a lot of instruments. I know I'm pretty. I'm not like exceptional. I just have music theory and know how instruments work and can find the notes. You know what I mean? <clears throat> Drums, then guitar, probably, probably bad. I like to scream. Some people say sing, but it's more like death metal vocals, and I've never really got to do that per se, like long term in a band. So I wouldn't put it on my resume. Oh, great. Okay. Well, Mr. Nate, speaking of music and wrestling, what was your first reaction when you saw the video of Jimmy Slopper with Captain Lou Albano in the wrestling ring? You know, like, it's funny that you say that because I remember it, but I don't remember the specifics of the video. Um, I mean, it's cool. I think it was definitely during that, like, uh, rock and wrestling connection probably uh when you know wwe was really vibing with like mtv and music and trying to really hone in on that entertainment side but when when wrestling took that evolution you know what i'm saying okay all right well mr nate what was your reaction when you first saw the honky-tonk man entering the ring and playing his guitar wasn't he a phenomenal guitar player? <laughs> you must must so random questions. I would not say no. That uh, like I don't know. Then again, you're asking me like to think of a time that I actually watched him play the fucking guitar, and he may could have he may have made some noise, but I I can't think that it was so good that I'm sitting here as an adult man and not knowing or remembering. <laughs> And I showed oh, okay. time the honky tonk man played the fucking guitar other than bashing someone in the head with it. <clears throat> well, he did some of that too. He he bashed some people over the head. Yes. Okay. <laughs> well, Mr. <clears throat> Nate, the role of the manager yes. in wrestling, the managerial role is slightly diminishing. One of the, my favorite managers was the mouth of the South, Jimmy Hart. Did you know that he belonged to the rock group called the Gentry, and they had a top 40 song called Keep On Dancing? I actually did not. That's a fun fact. Oh, all right. Well, I think instead of looking up, say, like, Penguin Attack by Guar, that you look up the song Keep On Dancing and listen to Jimmy Hart. Well, I will definitely do that. Oh, good. That's that's good. My man, okay. my man, plugging in all the good shit tonight, ain't you? Oh, yes, yes. We're speaking knowledge <laughs> on the show. Yes. Okay. Well, Mr. Nate, in your wrestling video with Jason Kincaid, at the 11.20 to 11.50 mark of the match, the referee was checking both of you for foreign objects. But I don't know if he checked under Jason Kincaid's shoulder pad-like part of his uniform. My question is, how do the referees in West Virginia compare to other places that you have wrestled? I would have to say they're as fair as any other. I've really never had any heat when refs. I say... uh... I mean, like, I I know a lot of good refs, and then I know a lot of okay refs. Uh, I don't know, man. Like, uh, they do their job. You know? I mean, they do their job. I don't think Jason Cade was out to cheat me that night. Uh, I was definitely out to prove myself. So, uh, regardless, I have no heat with the refs that night trying to do his job. I come out victorious. I have no heat. Have you ever been to a match where you thought to yourself, uh, at least halfway through the match, that referee doesn't even know what he's doing, and he probably got hired on my eyes? I have. I've been. I've been. You know. Yes. I think if any uh, any of us spend enough time in the business, sometimes for the payday, you end up at places that you don't want to be. That have either lackluster this, lackluster that, and there's been some times in my life that it has been the ref. So, I mean, but it is what it is. Okay. All right. Well, Mr. Nate, we bring up the subject of time travel on this show quite often. 
say if you time travel and meet Bobby the Brain Heenan and Andre the Giant in a bar near Madison Square Garden, what would be the can of beer totals for you, Andre, and Bobby? Can you give us a beer can? That, beer can that's a legitimate question. As I sit here and drink beer now, uh, I want to I'm going to tell you that, like, listen, I'm no Andre the Giant by any means, but me and Bobby better be ready to drink 30, 40 apiece. Oh, my God. On top of what Andre, shit, Andre, man, you already know. Like, that's a, that's a loaded question because he's in the history books for the amount of alcohol that he's drinking, but he was also a very large man. That's true, yes. I, I mean, mean, Andre the Giant could shut down the party with Gnarly if he was still alive because, like, wow. Yes, I, I mean he could drink, he could drink like five bottles of champagne, and that's a lot. Yeah, of like stuff. he he like some of the documentaries and shit that I see on him, he drink a few bottles of wine for him to have his match be fine, you know. Now Andre the Giant, if he didn't like you, he would let you know. What was your uh, would you uh, what was your opinion of his relationship with the Iron Sheik and Randy Macho Man Savage? You know, man, like, I don't know. I really don't know. Like, you're digging into some history and some things that I don't really want to speak on because I'm not an expert. I would have to say I know as much as anybody that watches, say, a documentary or, say, Dark Side of the Ring, you know. You have very specific questions. Yes, very specific, yes. Not random. Very. Not random. Okay. Well, uh, Mr. Nate, it was good talking with you. I hope that you yes, enjoy your homework assignment by listening to the Gentry's Keep on Dancing with a, with a young Gentry. And at this time, I'm going to pass it back over to Sign Guy. All right, Bill. Have a good night, Thank brother. You. Oh, my God. It's really good. <laughs> Thanks, UT. That was a long time. Oh, like, that was a long question. It's been a long interview. <laughs> he sometimes has that effect on people. Um, yeah. In the last several months, I've seen a lot of wrestlers uh, go to the social medias asking for gear makers. It's something that a lot of people are uh, trying to get done as a ease back into wrestling and have sort of a fresh look. Who, in your opinion, are some of the gear makers out there that people should be utilizing? I can say from experience, I can say from my area and from who I've done business with that uh, Zodiac, uh, Zodiac, watch it, Michael something. Damn, I'm going to have to look at Reed. Zodiac here in uh, my area and then Congo Kong. They both make gear on the side, and I've got some exceptional ties from both of them. In the Midwest territory. I know both of those guys extremely well, and that is actually who I recommend whenever someone asks me. So I'm right there with you. Sweet. That's that's awesome, man. Both of them good brothers, too. Like, for real, do good business. And they, they've both been nothing but kind to me. I would recommend anybody in the area. You can be in there. They ship out. If, you, if you're just listening to us, period. Hit them up. Uh, get some stuff that's quality, it holds up, and they, they bring your shit to life. You know what I mean? Absolutely. 100% agree. Obviously, in the last decade or so, social media has become an important tool in professional wrestling for both the professional wrestlers and for everyone that works in the business, as well as the promotions as far as advertising and getting their name out there, trying to attract Correct. fans. Yeah, it's a way to stay in touch with the fans. You're right. Exactly. Now, as someone that's been around for a while, in your own opinion, do you think, by and large, wrestlers and wrestling promotions use social media correctly or do you think it's still a work in a progress at this point in time? I think both. I think 
social media is what it is. I think uh, I think that it is a valuable tool if you know how to use it right. And I think also that we live in a world where you have to have it and stay connected and stay in promotion. I, uh, you know, but you have to do it tastefully. There's a, it can be done wrong. You know what I'm saying? <clears throat> Whether it's the business, your gimmick, or how you run things, uh, or or the DMs. You know, the DMs. You have to be tasteful, and you have to realize your brand. You have to realize you're taking care of business because I know those can be enticing. Um, I think social media is also a crucial tool in today's anything when it becomes entertainment. Because it's a crucial tool with anything. It's a real-time news. It's real-time stuff to whoever's involved, to the world, basically, you know. Now, obviously, a lot of wrestlers also utilize uh, social media to kind of interact with the fans. Uh, a lot of wrestlers go onto platforms like Twitch and Patreon and things of that nature Correct. exclusive to sort of maintaining their fan base, especially when uh, live shows had slowed down and uh, you didn't see very many uh, live events where fans could attend. Do you think that those platforms became something that uh, were instrumental in keeping independent wrestling going, or do you think that we would have found a way regardless of Absolutely. those type of platforms? Absolutely. I don't know. I don't. I, I think you hit the nail on the head, actually. Uh, and even from my personal experience, I started doing more uh, like live feed matches and tape matches and YouTube channel matches, and just like tape events and or live feeds or this camera, very all of them empty arena. You know what I'm saying? So I think in that year, year and a half, that especially any promotion that had any clout was definitely trying to feed the fans something because you got to have content. You got to keep people's attention. So in a world where you can have the fans, it was very crucial to have those type of things to uh, to to give them content, to keep your stories going, to keep whatever. Just, just, and, and I don't mean that whatever you're disrespectful. I'm just saying just to give the fans to be interested in something, you know, just to keep them ready to come back when you finally could open the door. I know a lot of uh, companies were sort of delving into what we've seen in the national companies and utilizing cinematic style matches where they would go to uh, the training facilities or gyms or wherever they could and film sort of a cinematic match that they could put up on YouTube or their company website or what yeah, have you. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I saw that. Were you ever approached about doing any of the cinematic style matches? Uh, I wouldn't say per se. Like, no. Uh, I, I mean, like, not really. Just really straightforward stuff. Uh, I will say that uh, with Gen X TV and this Generation X uh, pro wrestling that we're, we're doing now with Larry and stuff here in Kentucky, uh, with the weekly episodes and the weekly YouTube stuff, that you get that, you, you really got to hone in on that uh, more dramatic kind of acting stuff from behind the scenes stuff or whatever. You just got to. You know what I mean? Like, you got to draw in emotion one way or another. So, if it's just you and the camera, then I would say very much. I Even though it ain't a lot of smoke and mirrors, however, it's still kind of dramatic because you gotta, you got to act. you got to act the part. you got to bring in the emotion. You know? Well, at this point in time, uh, we're getting down to the last few minutes, so I want to give you – ample opportunity if you have anything you would like to say to the listeners plug and promote anything and everything you'd like merchandise social media upcoming shows your favorite fried chicken restaurant anything in the world floor is all yours all right well i'm gonna have to promote uh generation next right here in central kentucky uh Live on Patreon tomorrow, we got Resurgence exclusive. I'm a part of a six-man. I'm taking on 
Benjamin Enterprises. They've been giving me smoke, and we'll give it back. I've definitely got to say we do weekly YouTube, Generation Next, Gen Next TV, hashtag Gen Next TV. Every week we're coming out with a new week's TV. Uh, I definitely want to say I'm also down in West Virginia. Uh, I wrestle for Big Time Pro Wrestling, BTW. I'm a number one contender there. They're doing big things, and I'm leading the way. I want to say you can find me on uh, social media, Instagram, Nate underscore Gnarly. you on Twitter, I'm at Gnarly. Facebook, just type in Nate Gnarly. I'm the only one. I uh, definitely want to say uh, we got tickets on sale here in Central Kentucky, June 5th. Next live event, Generation Next Pro Wrestling presents Never Say Die. We're almost out of floor seats. Then we go to bleacher seats. We sold out completely the last event. It was dope. We're doing big things. We get big shit popping, little shit stopping, and it's a party every step of the way. Oh, my God, son. I want to say that if you're in the area, come to Legends Pro Wrestling Academy. Larry D., legendary Larry D., best hand in the house, Impact Superstar. I'm going to show you the way, big heart, big guy, and it's nothing but family. Here, learning the business and getting better every day. I want to thank you, brother, for your time and let me have the opportunity to come out here. It's always a party with Nolly. We're hanging and banging every motherfucking day. Oh, my God, son. We want to thank you very much for taking time to be with us. We absolutely appreciate it. And I look forward to hopefully working with you on a show some down the line one more time. That would be dope. dope. Maybe we'll get you on a plane when Larry comes back this way and you can get up here to the great Pacific Northwest as well. That's what's up. That is what is up, my man. Oh, right. I will talk to the proper people, and I will mention it to them. And uh, we want to encourage all the fans, jump on the YouTube, check out Nate Gnarly's matches. If he's on a show near you, yeah. he's a great, great talent. So go and support him hanging and what and he does. We're hanging and banging. Absolutely. Hanging and banging. Well, fans, we will be back with you on Sunday afternoon. We have Matt Ecstatic all the way from Canada, former coach of the Great Kali Wrestling School in India. His first time with us, it's going to be huge. And then a week from today, former ECW original Chili Willie will be here. We'll make plans to be with us. Everybody continue to be safe out there, and we'll talk to you soon. 